Welcome back to another episode of the Corporate Cowboys podcast. My name is Alex. As always, your host for the next 30 minutes. Got ourselves a little uh, open half an hour, half hour for, well, for me to go over a question, see if I can't provide you with some general corporate advice, right? So I'm going to give you that legal disclaimer up front this time. That is anything that I say, anything that I relay to you, anything that we post across our social media accounts and profiles, none of that you should be able to take as legal advice. None of it should be construed as legal advice. Okay, you can't say gangsta rap made me do it. <laughs> I say that a bunch because there was a song back in the day by uh, Ice Cube, actually. <laughs> can't say that, oh, fucking corporate cowboy said I gotta, gotta stay strapped or get clapped so I had a fucking vote. No, don't, don't, right? We do not condone any wrongful activity. We don't promote any wrongdoing, okay? So with that said, a little proof of life today is Monday, July 10, 2023. And today's question, I'm just going to dive right into it because this is a really peculiar, really, um, really unique question. I think all questions are unique, right? When they come from hypothetical clients, because everybody's case is unique. I mean, everybody is their own individual person. Granted, you might have groups of people in similar circumstances, but even within those groups, even within those groups, you have a unique case with everyone. I mean, I could extrapolate that further. Let's put that into a larger extreme, even within a factory setting, even within a nation, within a nation of individuals who've been um, conditioned to think one way. Everyone is still a unique product of experience, right? And they may have their individual ambitions, but they don't all have the same ambitions. They don't all have the same potential either. Right? There are differences, however subtle, there are differences. So that's what I try to get my clients to understand. Our clients understand the value that comes from within and that they try to aspire to be consummate professionals. No more, no less, but the best. Better than the best because, I mean, the goal is to be improving consistently each and every day with every passing moment because this corporate shit is fleeting. This corporate shit is like love. Why? Because this corporate shit is like war. Business is war. And so this corporate shit is fleeting. You get caught lacking. You settle. You become complacent. You don't keep moving up the ladder. You will get knocked the fuck off. <laughs> every position is every is every position is entry level forever. That's been a consistent theme of this podcast. And one that I try to get the listeners to understand and come to terms with 
goal of this podcast is not just to help me improve how I speak, how I think, how I organize my thoughts and speech, but to have you understand that you can work with corporate. You just have to understand your worth and be able to elevate your position to that of an entire corporation. It's not difficult. A corporation is made up of of a select few at the top, and then the masses are at the bottom. The rank and file are towards the bottom. The deeper you go, the more people there are to work with. Now, depending on how you make your entrance, depending on how you infiltrate corporate, you could go through the top, go through the bottom. Shit, you could come in through the side, knock off a middle manager. I don't mean knock off like get rid of. I mean... <laughs> I mean, flip a middle manager, have have them working with you, have them working with you and together you make moves. When I say knock off, I'm like, I'm I'm thinking you're approaching corporate as a, as a sentient organization. I know a lot of folks say like, oh, they're just legal persons. They don't have emotion. You can deduce what a corporation's emotions are by the collective thoughts of those at the top. And even then, even then, you can segment the feeling, you can segment the sentiment between the C-suite and everybody else who works salary or hourly on wage. (laughs) I'm giving you the... I'm giving you the, uh, I'm giving you premium. I'm giving you premium content and I haven't even started the question. Let's read the question, shall we? This is coming from r slash career advice. See, I'll, I'll save the, uh, the higher level strategizing and planning for, uh, for actual paying clients. They tend to give more context, more nuance in their background. So, any <clears throat> suggestions that we might provide are going to be more accurate and actionable to some extent. So this question is asking, I got an offer, got a counter offer, sorry, got a counter offer after announcing I am leaving. Huh. Got a counter offer after announcing that I'm leaving. So just based off of the title, I can... I can let you know what, what inferences I'm making from that. And if you find yourself in this position, I mean, you, you want to know that that's a flag. What color you make of it? Red, yellow, green, orange? Well, that depends on, again, you as a professional, the industry that you're in, the organization you're in, the colleagues, the network around you. And... uh Potential and opportunities that exist inside and outside for you to make your next move. Got a counter offer after announcing that I'm leaving. So say it's time to leave. It's time to terminate your employment after however long a relationship you've had working together with corporate. It's time. It's time to call it quits. It's time. To split. You've been applying, you've been interviewing, 
You know where you're headed next, right? Because you've applied, you've interviewed. And these managers, the hiring managers at the other firm, have sent you an offer. Maybe it's tentative. Maybe it's conditional. Maybe it's, it's um, on, on the terms you're actually looking for, on acceptable terms that you are willing to jump ship for. And upon learning this, your employer, the one you're at now, you give them notice that you're leaving, that you got an offer somewhere else. Or just that you're leaving, right? Like you just, give, you just hand in your two weeks resignation. And if they're smart enough, they can get to the end faster. They can get to the point faster and realize that you might be going to the competition. So they got a counter offer for you. What do you do? Well, I think, I think it speaks to the respect you're being given, right? Because if they wanted to retain you, if they wanted to keep you from leaving, I feel that uh, leadership could always do more to develop their professionals to develop the talent in-house so that it never gets stale and it never gets bored. Because the moment you're done learning about your job and it just becomes routine, it just becomes programmatic, it becomes monotonous, is when you start looking outside. Now, it is important to realize that when a corporation says, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, it's because they've grown comfortable. But they, but they haven't always been at that size. They haven't always had that status, that position in their relevant market or their industry where they could actually take the time and sit back and watch, right? They didn't get there. They didn't grow there by not fixing what was broken. So as a professional, as a corporate cowboy, you have to come to terms with the realization that when these words leave their mouth, they don't realize they've grown old. It's, it's like growing up and growing old. You don't realize you've outgrown your pants until they don't fit you no more. Right? Pants that you might put away from one summer to the next. You don't realize that you've grown slower or grown fatter. You don't realize that, that, uh, that you're getting old until someone points out you've got gray hair or that you're balding. So in a corporation, they won't realize that they're getting eight alive until they have barbarians at the gate. <laughs> just just <laughs> praying on them. <laughs> they won't realize it, and they definitely won't heed it. They won't hear it. They won't listen to, to the warnings coming from the internal, coming from the inside. It's rare. It's rare that they do when they should because the canaries 
in their coal mines are going to be within their own coal mines. You think they're going to hear, you think miners heard canaries and other coal mines? Nah, nah, it's got to be in the coal mine you're in now. <laughs> that only makes sense. Alex, that makes too much sense. What the fuck? So let me go ahead and start reading this off for you. Uh, start reading the body and uh, I'll make some comments along the way. And if you have any questions, reserve them. Um, hold them because I'm not going to fucking answer them. I mean, you can, you can write them down. Write them down and then answer them later. Ask yourself them later and answer them because this kind of intuitive knowledge comes from the inside when you learn and understand what you are dealing with. And what you are dealing with is just a group of individuals, of people who think they're comfortable, who think, who think and might believe, sincerely believe that they're in a comfortable position until they meet a corporate cowboy who's, who's running and gunning. So our hypothetical client here writes, hello, everyone. I've been working as a scientist in a company for over a year now. And I have had very little opportunity to actually engage in scientific work. Damn, that sounds sad. Just off top. I mean, they, sound, they, they sounded so proud in the beginning saying, hey, I'm a scientist. And then within that same sentence, they're like, I've done little. I've engaged in little, if any, scientific work. Ah, that's kind of... That's a soul killer. That's a fucking soul killer. No wonder you're looking for outside work. When I actually, sorry, when I initially in when I initially joined, there was an understanding that I would be involved in research, participate in scientific projects leading to publications and attend conferences. Ooh, they were promised they were promised a career in science is what it sounds like, which is reasonable, right? So if they signed on to, uh, to participate in, in conducting research and other projects that they could go on to publish and attend conferences where, as a scientist myself, I'm a social researcher. I mean, come on, hold your horses. I'm not, I'm not combining uh, chemicals and making solutions and precipitates and colloidal. No, I'm not doing any of that. Um, I'm a social researcher at heart. You might be able to tell because I like talking. I enjoy thinking about the human condition within the context of corporate, right? So knowing that this scientist, which if you really think about it, is an art, knowing that this artist is stuck within the machine that is corporate, yeah, no, it, it, does, it does tug at my heartstrings just a little bit, just a little bit, especially when they're not being utilized if that's what they want, right? They, they voluntarily submitted and signed on the line to become a soldier in somebody's corporate war. And they're not being utilized to their full potential. I mean, not only is the corporation in the wrong, but this scientist is downtrodden because it's like, it's like having a safe queen. It's like buying a gun, right? <laughs> it's like buying... Dude, what's a, what's a, um, 
buying a, a Colt Delta Elite 10 millimeter stainless, polished, mere polished, stainless. Fuck it. Throw abalone grips on there because you're stunting, you're flexing. <laughs> and you never use it. You never fire it. You, you only view it. It's like it's only, it only exists in your mind. It doesn't even exist in your hands. Like you're not actually putting it to work in this corporate war. You're not, you're not licking shots at anybody. The, 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 the tool itself doesn't get to live out its intended purpose. Right? So this scientist, I completely resonate with. So they write, however, none of this, none of this has materialized during the past 18 months. Damn, 18 months is a minute. 18 months is a minute. I mean, I think at six months, because you could put like three months, say, okay, I get it. You know, this is like a probationary period. I'm learning the ropes to this whole uh, organizational culture, right? I'm learning the ins and the outs, the, the processes, the policies, the procedures, that go into making this whole thing operate, that goes into making this whole organization run, right? At six months, I would begin to question, <laughs> yo, when is the research going to come down? When are the conferences going to be up for grabs? When, when, when will we work on these publications that are meant to be sent off and reviewed, right? At a year, at a year, I'm, I mean, I'm spitting out applications and taking interviews regardless at a year. It's very few, very few, few times, very rare that I would recommend uh, clients and especially hypothetical clients. If you're listening, it's very few. It's very rare that I would recommend not applying and taking interviews unless you've signed a contract, unless you've signed an agreement that you are bound for. A term of years, say two years or three years or five years. I mean, I've I've heard of it, um, but if you're not bound by one of those agreements, you have to you have to keep stirring the pot. You have to keep seeing what's out there, what's outside. I mean, unless unless you are a professional, unless you are a not a savant. You don't have to be a savant for this shit. But unless you are a corporate cowboy, unless you understand the workings, the inner workings of corporate, you could apply and interview for positions inside. But all the while, you've got to be developing and cultivating and nurturing a network of colleagues on the inside so that when it's time to make a move, if it is to pitch an initiative, then you have some support, then you have some access to resources so it doesn't sound like it's just coming out of the blue. You've got to plant the seeds early. Really, you should be planting those seeds from day one, even while you're in your probationary period. You're learning the ins and the outs of corporate. You are assessing its strengths and its weaknesses. And, and between those two is where, you, is where you will realize Opportunities that exist. Opportunities for what? Opportunities for your growth. 
for your professional growth. Now, they should, they should in theory, in theory, they should coincide with the growth of the organization. But, I mean, you tell me. You tell me how many times you've heard a supervisor or an executive say, Alex, go back to fucking work, man. We don't, we don't pay you to think. We don't pay you to solve problems that we don't think exist, right? If it ain't broke, don't fix it. <laughs> Tell me how many times you've heard that, and I'll show you how to get through it. Not get around it, how to get through it. And that requires a little more logic and tact. <laughs> Well, well, they're right. They're right. I repeatedly, I have repeatedly informed my superiors about the need for a project that would motivate me and allow me to attend conferences. But their responses have always been along the lines of, we will check or we will arrange it. Nah, I don't know, man. I, I don't know. I, I feel like when you're, when you're working in science, especially because a lot of this shit, a lot of the shit comes from grants comes from comes from grants they could be private they could be public but um when when this shit comes from when it's when it's someone else's money people folks um and, and it's not it's not people it's these motherfuckers in titles who are entitled it's it's people who wear titles that's what i'm trying to get at it's like they they become less than human. They also become legal persons, right? So they'll do what they have to to get the grant. And then, and then they'll just maintain. Then they'll just sustain themselves. But if their position is too cushy, they're not going to go out of their way to, to work. They're not going to go out of their way to to expend effort yeah i mean they might expend money and salaries and and fringe benefits and expense accounts but really all they're doing is just treading water they're not swimming anywhere they're just staying put they're just staying put and as far as i know every industry just about just about every industry is red ocean right you sit around a little too long and those sharks will come up out of the water and show you why if you haven't published anything in 18 months, you become irrelevant, right? Unless the specific research you are working on is something blue ocean, right? Something nobody has ever seen before, which, I mean, if that is the case, it doesn't sound like you've cultivated enough competence. You've, it doesn't sound like you've cultivated enough trust credibility, rapport, repertoire for the higher ups to let you in on this top secret research project so they keep deflecting with, oh, we'll see, oh, we'll arrange it. <laughs> but that might not be the case. You see, I'm giving the corporation, I'm giving corporate the benefit of the doubt that there might be a project that you just haven't been assigned to because you're still a newbie. but. 18 months? No, I, that's completely understandable why you'd want to leave. I, I get it. Absolutely, I get it. So the next paragraph here says, Consequently, I have made the decision 
to return to academia, as I believe my true passion lies there. No, I think, I think they just got hurt. I think they just got hurt going into corporate. They realized how slow corporate is. I mean, academia is just another form. It's just another formal organization. It's just another form of corporate. It's got a lot of bureaucracy and red tape. And you've also got political correctness too. So your research takes a wrong turn. And, and it, it doesn't have to be unethical. Your research takes the wrong turn, right? Your research goes against whatever narrative or agenda. You can say goodbye to your fucking research because it's not needed to them. So, you know, there's, there's always options. There's, there's options for scientists, for scholars, for academics who want to pursue their passions and do not want to be constrained and bound by an institution, by policies and procedures. Again, it doesn't mean that your research has to be unethical, like you have to be experimenting on humans for it to get shut down. Nah, nah, you just have to ask the wrong question. And I had that happen to me way back, way back when I lived in, uh, in, uh, I lived in Sacramento, California for a while. I stayed out in Sacramento and I attended UC Davis, believe it or not. And uh, while I was there, I took a criminology class. And in that class, we were tasked with a research project, right? So this isn't like I'm doing like some post-grad or, or doctorate or post-doc, not. It's just a research project. And we, were, we already had limits to where, where we could search, what we could look at, right? So we had to use the... Uh, Uniform Crime Report, the UCR, that, came, that comes from the FBI. Yes, yes, I already know crime statistics are already super controversial because of racisticity, all that BS, right? I get it, I get it, but I wasn't going after that. So, I was going, I was going because uh, at the time, maybe I'm misremembering now, but I was going to ask and answer, like I was going to hypothesize and then do the research and come up with conclusions as to why. Why is it that cities and states with the toughest uh, firearm regulations have high amounts of crime, right? And then I was going to correlate that with where the largest financial districts are right where the largest financial districts are and then i was going to do a little bit more historical uh not an expose but i was going to do a little more historical research as to why firearms laws came into existence and it, it doesn't have to do with crime right so so i was i was already forming and honing my research to give me the answer I was looking for, but one that could be substantiated, one that could absolutely be substantiated, was reasonable, was logical, was sound, right? So folks call this uh, confirmation bias, right? But I call it having an idea. I, 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 call it, I call it having 
not not having a, a, a precon is it a preconception or a preconceived idea? Yeah, I guess it's a preconceived idea. And then I'm doing grounded research. I'm not just finding uh, I'm not just finding a research or a publication that matches my opinion. I'm going out there and doing the research and confirming my hypothesis, right? So my hypothesis was that firearm laws came into existence to prevent retribution, to prevent retaliation, right? And I was going to do this, this, this whole, this large, this whole thing where uh, I was even going to bring in uh, the, this occurrence when, like when uh, farmers would go bankrupt because they were getting fucked by egregious loans through banks where uh, when their farms were foreclosed on and when they were auctioned off, the, um, the original owners, the farmers, were allowed to bid and, uh, and nobody else was because the communities would come together, right? And they would, they would, uh, they would lay retribution on anybody who tried to drive up the price or they would lay retribution on anyone from the bank who came through trying to collect on this foreclosure. Why? Because the farmer who was not as informed as, as say, the broker or the banker as to market conditions, right? If, if they were put in a position to sign for loans at, 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 an, at an abysmal, usurious rate, right? Then a lot of these family farms would fold up and come in under the control of the banks. And when that happened, uh, when they were foreclosed on and they went to auction, whoever whoever tried to drive up the price, they got a fucking beat down. They, I mean, on the verge, I would say it happened. I would say it did happen, but on the verge of getting tarred and feathered and got their asses handed to them and sent off on their way out of town. <laughs> so it's my belief that along those lines, firearms laws came into existence, which is why when you entered a township, like back in like the old west, they'd say you have to deposit your firearms and pick them up on the way out because that township was owned by a specific family or a specific bank or a specific uh, society, right? Where they didn't want people armed. I mean, you could be armed with knowledge or something similar. That's what I... That's what we promote, essentially, and that's what I've been advocating through the course of this podcast, is that you could arm yourself with knowledge or something similar and keep something else as a last resort, but as far as uh, just jumping the gun and um, using the last resort first, I mean, that might not be the smartest, because... You muddy up the waters more than you clarify them by doing that. I mean, you want the water to be as still and crystal clear as possible, do you not? And so by getting down to the root of this social issue, that is firearm regulation, <laughs> my professor steered me away from it. 
They will steer your research for you. They will tell you where to direct your research. When I, when I told them my intentions, um, they had suggested I do something different. And I said, well, but I've got all the evidence. I've got all the evidence here with the UCR. I mean, it goes back in time. It goes back in time. And then I could just cross-reference that with information that's generally available online as far as um, banking institutions, as far as the treasury, as far as the Fed, as far as all that, I could, you know, I could, I could put those ley lines down and build a foundation for this research. And they did not take kindly to that because a lot of these cities are, <clears throat> I mean, again, this is California, UC Davis, a very liberal, very liberal, uh, school, liberal arts school. Yes, one of the top Division I research universities in the country, if not the world, but still very liberal. And when I, <laughs> when my research would be, when my research would essentially debunk firearms regulations, they did not take kindly to that. So they felt that they needed to draw my attention away from it. So I ended up doing some some dumb bullshit that was still, I guess, low-key based, but nowhere near what I had envisioned early on. What a tangent, man. What a tangent. But still, you want to return to academia? Caveat emptor, because you're going to take on more loans to do research that you may not even want to do, right? You may take on more loans to do someone else's research that's only going to get peer-reviewed and circle-jerked by individuals who may not even agree or align or like you as a person because your research informs some type of political view, right? <laughs> and they'll, they'll make it up. I mean, you think you're dealing with a board, with a review board, but again, a board is composed of people and if you take the average perspective if you take the average opinion or the average intelligence if you take the average yeah i'm going to say intelligence because at this point we're dealing with the group intelligence you take the average intelligence of the board you will get you will get the board's personality right and and, and they cease from they cease being just a legal person, just the figments of your imagination, you can treat the board as if it were, as if it were a person, right? That's how you deal with corporate and not just end up working for it, trying to appease and appeal to the board. Please let me do this. I didn't, I didn't even fucking wait. I didn't wait for that. After, after leaving school, I did my own research. I informed my own opinions, my own perspectives. I met people colleagues, professionals, associates along the way who think, who think not like me, right? But who think. That's, that's all I was getting at. Because there's some motherfuckers who don't think. If your, research is, if your research has the potential to sway one way, they don't think. They just, they just eliminate. They just, <laughs> they're drones. They're pit bulls at that point. <clears throat> All right, so the, the next paragraph here, before I get carried away, they say, or they, they continue, they write, as, as I believe my true passion lies there, 
I have informed my company that I am leaving to pursue an academic position. Interestingly, they have suddenly started negotiating with me, opening their computers and asking which conference I would like to attend. <laughs> they have assured me that they can send me to any conference, possibly in the near future. Possibly, dog, dog, what the fuck? Nah, I, I, would, I would bounce. I would bounce. I mean, academia might not be it, but if you want to be a scientist, I suggest you apply an interview for, for science scientific scientist positions scientist positions in other organizations that will give you access that will give you the resource that will give you the support off the bat so that you're not having to keep up with them and follow up with them constantly right again th this is this is more higher level this is more higher level because you also have to understand that this is speaking as a social researcher. A lot of these individuals, when they uh, when they are high, when they are high in knowledge and and intellect, they're not they're not super competent as far as sociability and networking, right? So, got to take that into account. If you're on the spectrum, that is a little more on the uh, <laughs> what's the what's the term? What's the term I'm looking for? Uh, functionally impaired, right? If it impairs your function to an extent that you can't communicate effectively, you've got to come to terms with that. And you can find help. You can seek help and find help. I mean, for that, you might need a representative. For that, you might need to engage a professional consultant. Maybe an advocate for you if you want to become a, a, a scientist of, of renown, of, of notoriety, right? You want to hold yourself out as one of these that are in the mainstream right now. You don't have to start and build pebble by pebble, uh, working for somebody else always. You can work for yourself, but you need to do it efficaciously. That's efficiently. That's effectively, right? And that's going to take some time, but it sounds like you're in a job now. You don't want to leave it without another job lined up. And returning to academia is just returning you into the pool of candidates. And academia is very red ocean in some aspects and very blue ocean only when they want it to be. Because again, we're talking bureaucracy. We're talking red tape. So... If what you want to do does not align, they will tell you that, oh, no, this is not, this is Red Ocean. We've got no chance. A, but if, if it's something politically correct that aligns with their agenda and propaganda that pushes the bounds of normality and fucking social norms and shit like that, yeah, no, I'm, I'm sure they'll let you, I'll, I'm sure they'll let you have it because they're after that, that ESG score too, right? <laughs> they want investments investors from large corporations for their grants too right they want the money coming down and as the money trickles down everybody gets a little bit more complacent everybody gets a little bit less effective everybody becomes slightly more incompetent over time and when it gets to the point that it infuriates you enough you realize that you wasted your time there might be time to see your way out
find us on Instagram. That's at Corporate Cowboys with a Z. And um, we're on Patreon too. That's the Corporate Cowboys podcast. There's a couple of donation links if you want to send something that will help with business expenses and legal fees, by all means. Take care of yourself. Have a nice week.